Um, good to be together in a new year, and um, for the sp- sort of winter and spring period, um, the main topic is going to be um, continuing the book of Exodus, and how do we read the book of Exodus in a Christ-centered way. We will be beginning that two weeks from now, um, so that, that will be coming, and that will be a, a key focus to what we'll be doing together. Uh, but before we get to that, um, the, the session has decided we would like to take two weeks to just talk about a biblical theology of giving. And we feel like it's important to do this uh, based on the struggles that we've had um, this past year. Um, the Kind of the final stat where things landed was that we uh, received 87% roughly of what we projected. So we came in at $325,000 in general tithes and offerings, and then the projection was 372. So that's a $47,000 difference. Um, and it's just really important that we say at the outset here that um, we realize that there's a, there's a whole variety of things going on here. Um, and we want to be very clear to say uh, how grateful we are for how ev- there are many people who are giving very generously and very sacrificially. Um, but we, and we also understand, too, that um, for those who are struggling in this area of Christian discipleship, like there, there can be very difficult circumstances um, contributing to that. And so wherever you personally are at in all of this, um, we want to we just ask ourselves, um, how can we get a fresh look at this that encourages us? Um, how does God want me to grow in this area? I hope that's, that's the posture that we bring. Um, this is a perennial area of discipleship, right? Is offering our whole selves to Jesus. Jesus has given himself entirely to us. We want to give ourselves entirely back to him. So wherever you're at, I just ask, um, come to this with an open heart are the ways that God wants me to grow um, in this area. And so the first Sunday, this Sunday, we're going to talk about foundational principles of giving, kind of the big ideas from the Scripture. And then um, next Sunday, we're going to talk about practical matters. Um, So how do I actually live this? Um, How do I I give in a way that um, honors Christ? And, And even some of these practical questions, you may be wondering some of these today, like, Pastor, can you just tell me, like, exactly what I'm supposed to do? Like, what does the Bible actually say about what I'm required to give or whatever? Um, how exactly am I supposed to do this? We'll get there. Um, that'll be for next time. But this first time, I just want to talk about the big ideas. Um, and I want to begin with this quote from uh, Martin Luther in his pastoral experience. He says, there are three stages of conversion. People's heart, people's mind, and people's wallet. <laughs> Maybe you've heard that quote. Um, and I think that there's, a, there's wisdom there that, like, oftentimes the last area of our lives to be devoted to God is actually our money. This is one of those areas where it's really hard to honor Jesus and give ourselves wholly to him. Um, so how can we, remembering the gospel, be refreshed in this calling? And I really do want us to remember the gospel as we think about these things. I love what um, Paul David Tripp says. Um, He says, you can't begin to talk about money without first talking about God and the meaning of life. I really like that. Um, If you're going to really understand and really be enthusiastically, joyfully giving, 
you have to first understand the God that you're giving to and what he's done for you. And what, really, how does money fit in? How do our possessions and our, our, um, our stewardship of our finances, how does that fit in to the big idea of what our meaning, the meaning of our life is? And so I just want to remind you of three basic things today. We're going to talk about the fact that we're part of a generosity story. We're going to talk about how money shows what's most important to us. And then we're going to talk about the way that we give matters. These are kind of three big things that have to do with um, the Bible's big picture on giving. And, and so first, that we're part of a generosity story. I just want you to think back, like, what was creation? An enormous gift. Do you remember from Genesis chapter 1, when God created the world, he then says, it says, then it says God blessed them, and it says he gave them the food of the earth as a blessing to give to the people. So even in the very beginning, um, when God's making the world, he, didn't, he, he wasn't stingy in how he made the world. He's like, well, I'll make it just so there's just enough food for them to survive. I'll make it so that, you know, they can barely make it on this, on this planet I'm making. No, it was this glorious planet. And it was filled with a superabundance of good things. Um, the world is just teeming with God's grace and love. He made us a beautiful world. And then, so there's the generosity of God in creation. And then what happened? Obviously, we sinned. We rejected God's authority over the, the world. And then what happened? Did God cease to be generous? Far from it. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. Then he went over the top in his generosity in the story of redemption. What is the story of redemption if not the story of God's gifts? And just, uh, just think about this. You know, I have this book in my office. It's like super fat Old Testament theology book by Bruce Walkey. And um, he decided to structure this uh, whole theology on the theme of God's generosity. And so as he goes through each book of the Old Testament, he talks about God's gift. So, you know, Deuteronomy, God's gift of covenant. Joshua, God's gift of land. Judges, God's gift of deliverers. First and Second Samuel, God's gift of a king, right? <laughs> and it, it, it's not a stretch at all to go through each book of the Bible and talk about what God gave and what he gives to his people through each phase of history. And of course, all of those things, those specific gifts that God's giving to his people are grace gifts that we don't deserve. It's in spite of our sin. It's generous, super abundantly generous, and it's all ultimately a gift of his self, of his very self. So when we receive, when the Old, Old Testament people of God received the gift of a king, and here's this guy, David, a man after God's own heart, who's ruling them in the fear of the Lord, what are they receiving through that? They're receiving a taste of God's own love. And so I just want to remind you of that as we lead up to the greatest gift of all, which is, of course, Jesus, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So if we're, if we're digesting this, if we're getting this, the, the, the entire story of the world is a generosity story. There are two big subpoints we can take from this. First is, if we're to bear God's image well, we need 
to be givers. If we're to bear God's image well, we need to be givers. So how, how is us being generous, um, how, how can our generosity um, reflect who God is? If, if uh, this is the kind of God we serve, what are some ways in which our generosity will really reflect God well so that we'll be good pictures of him? Lots of right answers here. You don't have to be afraid. Yeah. Yeah, just, just that core idea of generosity being a reflection of love. Like, this is not about us. Look how great I am. Look at, you know, you know the Pharisees signaling, you know, virtue signaling. Hey, look at how generous I'm being, right? Okay, that's not what this is about. This is about blessing people because we love them. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so just how we, how we live in the general sense, not just with funds, but like, you know, whether we're stingy with our time, with our affection, um, you know, in, in any way in which we're called to give of ourselves. If we're stingy, that's reflecting that this is the way God is, which is absolutely not true. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. Hmm. I do if I give. Yeah. Yeah, so even as we're giving to others, we're thinking, well, what about, what about me, right? And part of what we're doing as we're reflecting God's glory in giving is we are showing, like, we really do trust that he does own a cattle on a thousand hills, that he is the, the abundant provider who is not poor. God is not poor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that, that God, when he gave his son, that was a costly gift, right? Um, it cost God to give his beloved son as a sacrifice. Excellent. And so when we're giving in a sacrificial way, we're saying this is the kind of love God has for us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you, you know, just think of Malachi where he says, test me in this, you know, if you, if you, if you bring the tithe in, will I not bless you abundantly, right? Um, or Proverbs 11, where he says, you know, the one who waters is himself watered, right? And so you can't outgive God. Um, do you trust that? Do you trust he'll give you his daily, your daily bread? Um, good. Yeah, so, you know, this open-handed attitude of God that we see all throughout the Bible, the fact that the entire history of the world is a generosity story, that that open-handedness should characterize Christians. We should be a people who are just like, sure, rather than the tight-fistedness that comes so easily to us in our sin. And so, you know, as you, you all were bringing out, um, the question we're asking ourselves is not, what about me, right? What if I don't have enough? Um, rather, we should be saying, how can I know the joy that God himself has in giving? That God himself delights to give. And so we're delighting just to be like him. That's the first sub-point of this story. We want to reflect God. But then we also want to remember that as we're reflecting God and his generosity, this is, I think, a pretty amazing thing, that the way God gives is very often through his people. That we are actually the means or the vehicle whereby God shows his generosity to the world. Um, my family and I enjoy reading missionary stories. We're work, working through Brother Andrew's um, God's Smuggler, which is a great story in your church library. Um, and I love, uh, I just love how there are just amazing ways that here's this very, very poor um, Dutch boy who comes to faith and then wants to give himself for the Lord. Um, but the ways in which God provides for him is just astonishing. <laughs> and it's through his people almost all the time um, that, that a gift comes right when he needs it so that he can then take Bibles behind the Iron Curtain to Christians who don't have any. And so, you know, part of why low giving is a matter of serious concern is we, if we understand that the way God is putting forward his kingdom in this world is through his people, then we're understanding that, like, the, the, the less that the people give, the less that we're just going to see those resources that God has appointed for his world's blessing. Um, we're less, gonna, less that we're going to see those things going forward. So we've, we've been made agents of God's blessing in the world, and that gives us this other key idea as we're thinking about the big picture idea of God's story as a generosity story, that we are, in this great generosity story, we are the stewards of God's riches. We. It's hard to believe it, but we human beings are the stewards of God's riches. And this idea of a steward is really important for us as we think about our relationship to money. Some of you have heard of a legal entity called a trust. Trust is when somebody puts a whole bunch of money or resources into this, this thing, this trust. And then there's a trustee who is the manager of the trust, and he has to manage it according to the rules specified by the one who makes the trust. So, do you realize that absolutely everything that you own and every single dollar and cent that is to your name 
is in a trust. It's called the God trust. It belongs to Him. And we are to use it as trustees for the beneficiaries that God has named in the trust. And the beneficiaries of the trust is the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is the great purpose, the great thing He's advancing in the world, and we all get portions of the resources that are going to be furthering that great kingdom. So if you think about this, you get this in your head, wow, everything I have is actually not mine. It's actually God's, and I'm just sort of handling it on His behalf. It's going to save you from a lot of problems in your relationship with money. Number one, it's going to save you from pride. So let's look at um, Deuteronomy 8, 17. If you just want to open in your Bibles, we're going to look at two verses here. Deuteronomy 8, 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So did you hear what he's saying? Why is it so bad that we say to ourselves in our heart, my hand has gotten myself this wealth? What's so evil about that? Why is he saying, listen, be really afraid of thinking this sort of thing. My hand has made this wealth. Yeah, it puts us above God as, as autonomous over him. Good. Yeah, other thoughts? I think, that's, I think that's right on. Who's really in charge of the money? It's one of the things you're bringing out. Yeah. What else is so evil about saying, my hand has gotten myself this wealth? That's right. It's God's grace. Amen. Yeah, and even just thinking about our jobs, like we work hard at our jobs, right? And we can say to ourselves, hey, I earned this by the sweat of my brow. This is good, hard-earned money, right? And we can say to ourselves, therefore, it's mine to spend as I please. It's mine, right? No. The very fact that you have a job, the very fact that you have the strength to do the job, where did you get that? God. <laughs> so, you know, 1 Corinthians 4, you have, there's nothing you have that you haven't received, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not even your... Yeah, excellent. Yeah, we see the sort of cause and effect between, hey, I do this job, and then here comes this paycheck. Yeah, but it's the Lord who gives the fruit, right, of anything that we do. Um, you put crops in the ground, the fact that they come to fruition... God. The fact that you do this job and then the paycheck comes to you, there's a lot of things that have to go right in a company uh, and in the world for that to happen. Every single day, every single thing that we receive is from God. And so we cannot claim autonomy over our funds. Um, that, is, that is sin, and that is not what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so the first big idea here is that the story of the Bible is a great generosity story, God giving all things to us, but the way He's giving all things to us is so that we would not own it in this sort of selfish way, but that we would be stewards, and that we would give, them all, give everything that God's given to us 
back to God. And so I just want to ask you this. You've given your lives to Jesus. I hope everybody here would say that. I've given my life to Jesus. You're all professing members of a Bible-believing church, so you've given your life to Jesus. In your heart of hearts, have you given all of your money to Jesus? And I'm not asking, have you given all your money to the church so that, you know, zero dollars in the bank account, I wrote the big old check. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm asking you, have you given all of your resources, every last dollar and cent, every little thing that you own, have you given it to Jesus Christ? And have you said, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. That means you control what I think. You control, and you need to, I'm going to serve you with what I do with my free time, and I'm going to serve you with every last dollar that I spent. Have you done that? I hope you have. But if you haven't, and if as you examine your heart, you, you actually say, wow, there actually is this sort of autonomy <laughs> in my mind where I'm thinking to myself, this really this is my stuff, then repent of that. This, is, this can be a new day for you, a new beginning for you of saying, Lord, forgive me, I have been, I have been selfish <laughs> with my funds. I have kind of been holding it in my hot, uh, hot little fist and not really rendering the whole thing to you and thinking of myself as the trustee of the God trust. So give yourself entirely to him. Are you being wasteful in your use of money as if it's yours to blow however you want? Are you being a frugal steward, thinking how could I best serve the Lord with everything that I have? So that's point number one. We're part of God's generosity story, and that means we're meant to be stewards. Point number two. Actually, before we go to point number two, any, any questions on anything I've said? I know this is challenging. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> That's the idea. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're asking the, the, the big question that I'm hoping, hoping that the rest of this will answer, but um, uh, I'm hoping not to be reductionistic in saying, give all your money to the Lord. I'm not saying that you're only giving your money to the Lord, um, you know, when you're being, you know, giving to the church or when you're giving um, to strangers, inviting them and showing hospitality. Like, when you're, when you're paying your electric bill to, you know, put the lights on for your family, uh, when you're clothing your family and feeding your family, right? Um, when you're um, taking care of these basic necessities for your, for your family, when you're blessing your family, like how does God, basically the whole point is, if all my funds are for God and everything I do with my funds, I want to honor God, then I have to understand what God's priorities are, right? 
And I have to know, like, is this honoring, to, is this really for the Lord when I'm caring for my family or when I'm giving generously to a friend or, you know, whatever it is that we're doing with our funds? We have to line it up with the priorities of God. Did, did you have a thought on that? Yeah. That's another principle, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so those questions, um, you know, do we how do we think about giving like to parachurch organizations? Um, what about time and talents as well as funds? Um, those are things I hope we'll be able to answer at least some of them next time. But yeah, even as we think about the, the question of what is most important to God and what are the things he wants us to use his money for, that, that's the second big point here. Um, what you do with your money shows what's really important, not just to you, but to God, right? If you think of yourself as a steward, and then you look at how you're spending your money, now you see what you think is important to God, right? And this is, a, this is really important for us. What we love, what we care about, what our priorities are, that will be shown in what we spend our resources on. What do you spend all your time doing? What do you invest all your creative energies for? What do you spend your money on? If someone were to look at your monthly use of money, and they just look through the whole credit card statement, bank statement, and they say every single thing that you're spending money on, what would they say is truly important to you? What would they say are the, the priorities to you? It, money will always be an accurate window into what you really value. It will always be. It will always be exactly what you think really matters because it's a resource that we have and we worship whatever we worship with our resources, with our energy, with our affections, with our money. Um, one study on Christians in America discovered this. This is convicting stuff. Christians spend more on pro sports and on their pets than they do on giving to the church. Like, again, that's sort of like, is that true of every Christian? No. Am I saying that spending money on pro sports or on pets at all is sin? No. But the relative proportions matter, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, what are, we, what are really important to us? Um, so what is important, not just to us, but obviously to God. Remember what I said at the beginning? If you want to talk about money, you have to talk about the meaning of life. What's the meaning of life? Or if I God and enjoy him forever. Okay, so how do I picture God's priorities to the world? Did I see your hand, Mike? Hmm. Hmm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. Into the different categories. Yeah. That's right. Living within your means is a great way of showing that you're trusting God and that you can be content with what he's given. Um, and these are, these are, that's going to be like really good practical things. We'll, come, we'll circle back to those things, but I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, and even just that, that idea of like looking through the different categories of your expenses and like putting them in the different categories, that's where you start to see, wow, there's this huge sum that I didn't actually even realize, but I'm actually spending an enormous amount of money on this, right? Um, and so tracking that, those expenses are really a really good exercise for discovering what really matters to you. I don't know if, if you all, I know some people do, um, keep a budget or, or keep track of how much you spend each month on different categories of things. But I just encourage you, one practical outflow of this Sunday School lesson is just go home and look at last month and just say, okay, where did it all go? And look, look at the outflow. What, what is the outflow going to, and then what does it say? Okay, last point I want to talk about is the way we give, the, lay, the way we give. So there's, you know, the big idea. We are stewards. What we give, to, what we spend our money on matters. It shows, what, it shows what matters, not just to us, but to God. And not just what and the proportions, but also the how of how we give matters. So I'd like to share, these are straight out of Scripture, words about how God wants us to give. And the first is cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9-7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Why is cheerfulness a very important part of how we should give? Yeah, it shows what you really want. Yeah. Um, when you're like, when you're excited about God's kingdom coming, then it's a joy to spend money on that, right? Um, why, why is it that we enjoy shopping at different times? Because we enjoy the thing that we're, we're buying, right? This is a sense of, there should be the sense of joy at what, what our money is helping to accomplish. Yeah, other thoughts? Why is it so important that we be cheerful? Yeah. Yes, it goes back to imaging Him, God's cheerfulness in giving to us. The way God gives to us, it is not reluctant. He is not a stingy God. He's not like, well, I guess I'll save you guys. <laughs> no, it's like, I'm glad, uh, like, like Pastor Montgomery often says, you know, that, that um, our, like Jesus was glad to die. How does the saying go? I'm messing the saying up. Right. Yeah, he loves us so much he was glad to save us. Yeah, exactly. Good. 
Yeah, so we want to reflect that cheerfulness. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, that sense of like, what has God given to us? It will always so far surpass whatever we're giving back to Him. Um, even if we think of it in the terms of giving every last cent that we have to God and His kingdom, which doesn't, as I've been trying to say, mean giving every last cent to this, the church in particular, but like, I'm now marshalling every last resource that I have for Him. Even that will fall far short of what He's given to us. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah, no, that's really good. Yeah, the, the, the cheerfulness and the sense of like, this is what I'm, I'm glad to put towards, my, my, my funds towards, right? Hopefully that would line up with God's priorities and the things he's glad that we're putting funds toward, right? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know, this uh, saying came, I came across this recently, I think it's so right on. Do we really believe that holiness is the highest form of happiness, right? Do we really believe that God's idea of how to live a holy life with fun, with our funds, is actually the, the happiest life, the life that will give us the greatest joy, where we'll be most content, our relationship to money will be the most happy. I'm, I'm here trying to bring um, to you God's perspective on giving because I love you all, because I want you to have a good relationship with money. I want you to be able to know the joy um, that God has for us in this area of our life. This is, oftentimes, this is not part of our lives that is most vexing, most prone to stress, most prone to just sort of drudgery and like, blah, I have to do this with my, you know. No, it shouldn't be that way. It often is, but it shouldn't be. That's not the way God made funds to be um, as a source of drudgery. So this is, this is our joy. Here's another principle for how we give. And we're going to talk about this quite a bit more next time, so I'm just going to do this quickly, but the first fruits. When it comes particularly to giving funds to the work of God's church, it should not be what's left over. Proverbs 3.9, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all that you produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. And so this is coming directly out of the idea that it's all God's. And so if God asks for us a portion on the front end before we get to any of the other necessities we have to live on, well, here it is. And we give it to him as the first fruits. Like, well, the very first crops that are coming in, and we don't know yet how much of the harvest is going to be coming to us. Those very first crops that are coming in, straight to God. Straight to him before we even have any ideas or designs on those funds. Nope. Up to him. 
And this principle of first fruits is part of how we honor God, not just with our funds, but with our time. Here we are the first day of the week offering to God our worship and our time and our energy, right? And we're saying, God, the day is yours. We offer it to you joyfully, right? And we give him the day, and then we trust him for the time we need for everything else. This first fruits principle is part of how we say, God, of all the things that I have to do with my time, of all the things I have to do with my uh, funds, you're number one. You're really the whole list, but in this special way, I'm dedicating this first fruits to you. So we'll come back to that. But first fruits, and then also trusting. Trusting. Give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Luke 12, 7. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Philippians 4, 19. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What are all those texts promising to you? Trusting him, trust him particularly for what? Yeah, for our needs. Exactly right. Yeah. Do you realize, like, this is one of those solemn promises God gives in the Bible. Like, there's, there's, there's no doubt. Will we have what we need? Yes. We have God's authoritative word on it. Like, there's no, there's no possibility of doubting it. Um, I mean, we do struggle with doubt, right? But, like, he's promising firmly to us that we must trust him. So what does that mean? What does it mean to trust God for his provision? Like, spin this out for me. Like, what are the implications? If you say, okay, here are these promises. I believe they are true. What does that mean? What are some of the implications of it? Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> mhm. Oh, man. Yeah. And, and sometimes at the very last moment, like, Lord, we're trusting you. <laughs> like, you know, George Mueller sitting down with all the hundreds of orphans and like, well, there's no food for him yet, but we're going to say grace and thank him for the food that hasn't arrived. And then as they finish the prayer, the bread and the milk show up from... You know, this guy who said, hey, I thought you guys might like this. I have these leftover bread here. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that sort of practical 
if you trust him, then you don't have to see how it's all going to come in on the front end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Yeah, put your money where your faith is. That's really, really good. Yeah, and, and trusting him too, like what you were saying with the, you know, oh, we'll scale back the benevolence kinds of stuff um, until we've gotten enough in the black. Okay, well, that's, that's not really trusting him. That's, that's when you're giving and you feel like, okay, I can now see where it's all going to come from, right? Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. right yeah that, that's part of the, how the gospel impinges in all this right what are we called to do called to give cheerfully the first fruits trusting God for his provision where is that heart of cheerful trusting giving where's that going to come from the Holy Spirit right the Lord himself will give us this and the the opposite we also need to say, right? Like if we're giving, but we're not giving cheerfully, we're giving grudgingly, we need to recognize that that's sin, like that dishonors God. Like in our form, we might be doing what in our form is right, formally, right? But the heart is wrong, right? Or likewise, if we're giving, but we're only giving the leftovers, not the first fruits. That's also not the way God wants us to give. That also is sin. Um, if we're giving, but we're only giving when we feel that we don't need to trust God for get it, to get by, right? That's not trusting him. That, that's also not what he wants, right? So the call is very, very high. Um, the call to give is, is very, very high. God wants it all. He wants everything about us. And he wants not just all of our funds, but he wants all of our hearts. He wants us to give in the whole being way that he himself gives. And the only way that's going to happen is by the power of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to encourage you all that this standard that God has for us, this picture that he has for us of giving is really high and really challenging. None of us will ever make it in this life. None of us will ever be perfect in this area of our life. But the good news of the gospel is this is part of why Jesus came, was to reclaim this part of our lives. And he will not be found inadequate in all of this. The Lord Jesus is sufficient to enable us to give in this great way and to, to really start to see our money as a great opportunity for loving God with all that we are. So I hope that, that challenges you, but I hope it also encourages you that God will be sufficient for you in these things. Are any uh, final thoughts as we conclude together or questions as we're thinking about this? I realize, I, like I said, I haven't really gotten into a lot of the specifics or practicals yet. But yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. That's a wise point about, you know, when we're really clinging to these things and we so badly want them um, and we think that, oh, now that we've got this thing, now we're, we're in control, we've got the thing that we wanted. But the irony is that it actually has us, right? That this is about lordship. This is about spiritual mastery, right? What really, we're, we're, to whom are we bound, right? Who really controls our hearts? Um, and that's why Jesus cares so much about this. That's why he talks about money so much. That's why he dedicates so much to this because he knows no one can serve two masters, right? Um, so let's ask for his help as we ponder these things. Lord, we thank you for the forthright teaching of your word on these matters. And we know as challenging as these things are, you don't come to us with these challenges because you want us to feel discouraged or guilty. But Lord, you want the best for us. You want us to know true joy. You want us to have genuine happiness, which is only to be found in genuine holiness. And so we do pray, Father, once again, offering ourselves to you, all that we are, including all that we own. We don't want to hold anything back. We want to be good stewards, not claim autonomy over any square inch of our lives, but rather to say everything belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, the King, of both heaven and earth. And Lord, we pray that our, our funds, the way we use them, would reflect your priorities, what really matters to you. And we pray that the way that we give would reflect your character, both the, the cheerful way you give of yourself and the way in which you give um, the very best of yourself. And Lord, um, that when we give, we know we can trust you for our daily bread, that you do care for our needs even more than we care for our, ourselves and that you'll not leave us high and dry as your beloved children. Thank you that we can really rest in these things and rest in the power of the Holy Spirit who enables us to live as true disciples of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, thanks everybody.